Hi, this is Mary Galimi, your host for This Is You, a podcast by Dennis Weck. And this week we are continuing on with our quarantine but not forgotten discussions. Um, I have had a lot of great conversations with band directors across the United States. And one of the things that I've been hearing more and more about is uh, teachers who had to deal with their students not even having their instruments. Some, some of the schools were shut down before students could even get their instruments uh, from the band room. And other areas... The, we can do online teaching, but the internet connection is so poor that a lot of students just have to forego that as well. So as a band director, what happens when your main tools as a music teacher have been completely ripped away? How do you still teach music when none of your traditional tools are available? As I've gotten to know band directors Vanessa Jackson and Scott Collin a little better, I've really appreciated their extreme dedication and connection to their students, and that they are just powerhouses of creativity, no matter what the limitations to their tools exist. So, uh, starting with you, Vanessa, what's your community like? Um, families, economics, and what were the first moments that made you realize you don't have the necessary tools that allow you to teach in a traditional sense, so how are you going to reach your students? Well, um, you know, first off, a lot of our families are hourly workers. I mean, we have a lot of headquarters and a lot of warehouses in our district, but most of our parents are maybe not in the managerial staff at those places, but more the worker staff. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we um, let's see, I think we're like, give or take a few percentage points off of 75% uh, eco uh economically disadvantaged. And then we're about uh, close to 80% Hispanic in our, our populations. Um, and it, you know, if, if mom and or dad lost a job or if my middle school kids were now became primary caregivers for little brothers and sisters, uh, that all of a sudden what I had to offer became very secondary. Uh, and then that wasn't really helped any. Our school schedule gave a two-hour block weekly to each core class, but the electives were given 15 minutes to on the schedule to see wow. kids and whatnot. That's difficult. I didn't actually use it for teaching. I, I pivoted off of my original plans very quickly given the tools that I had and the time I was given and how everything seemed to be sifting out. What were some of the ways you shifted to use that time? My original plans, because the end of the year holds our solo and ensemble festivals, and I was just going to, you know, create a living room concert and walk them through the steps. Uh, But I had kids still doing the first assignment in the last week. So uh, I shifted very quickly, especially once they gave us the grading policy and how many grades we were allowed to take. Um, I shifted very quickly to using music as um, SEL. So in terms of emotional health and why music is important and how music makes you feel wonderful, I stumbled into a podcast called 20,000 Hertz. And uh, one of the episodes was what things would sound like in space and on other planets. And one of the uh, conclusions there was that sound is kind of rare too. Not as rare as water, but it's pretty rare because you need that medium for the sound to pass through. And the focus of where I was going in the lesson was, hey, it's pretty cool that we have sound on earth and how awesome are you that you know how to make music? So things like that. That is really interesting. 
Did you find any other useful resources? Yeah. Well, the, the podcast about sound was just like a blessing when, when it drifted across my consciousness. Um, I did lessons on, and of course that coincided with May the 4th because I I'm really into pop culture geek things and of course Star Wars. And I didn't want to go too Star Warsy on it, but I did want to space <laughs> theme for a week. Um, and then I'm trying to think back. Oh my gosh, it's it's been weeks. Um, uh, I'm trying to think with it. Oh, and then um, we did a unit on sharing our favorite memories and sending out things to someone that you appreciated something that they did because it was really interesting to see the kids respond to that. I really appreciated when the person sitting next to me you know, did this. And um, I was able to share that with the students. And again, I just, I pivoted to why music was important and how music could help them settle into their feelings. I did another one on the Voyager probe because, you know, they had that disc where they sent that into space and it had, it had enough so that you could get a working knowledge of English. It talked about earth. It had music on it. And so I'm like, I asked the kids, what four songs would represent you? Why would these songs represent you? That is so cool. <laughs> Scott, you're pretty close to Pittsburgh and socioeconomic situation is probably a little different from Vanessa, but I'm guessing you ran into some of the same teaching issues. What were some of the situations that made you scratch your head and have to pivot or rethink your teaching plan? Well, I mean, I started off with, and we, we shut down with, with two weeks where my school district actually said, don't do anything. You, you are not working right now. It was bizarre. It was beyond bizarre. And then we had a, a week to kind of, it, the school wanted to make sure that everyone had access, you know, talking about like when Vanessa talked about access with the internet, I mean, we handed out, I think over a hundred um, iPhones to you for students to use as hotspots. Um, but anyway, uh, so I had this, I mean, I, I saw it as like a challenge and I was so excited and I was ramped up and I was ready to do this and I had all these plans and then the, the, you start realizing just what the students are going through beyond school and you, you start thinking about, well, what, what can I do to, to, that I can make this, that I can help make their experience meaningful for them like what what can we do here so my piano classes and guitar classes you know what do you want to learn here are resources you can find it uh i'm not necessarily looking for you to perfect something but you can at least share and we tried to i tried to make a concerted effort to have students sharing what they were doing and let's keep communicating and of course that you know you, you just some some students ended up picking up like hours and hours and hours at their job and other students they ended up being um uh, Vanessa mentioned about being, they became the, the primary caregivers. Um, and that, that ended up happening for a lot of students too. And then what I decided to do instead of these, instead of thinking about what I expected them to do, I just wanted to think about what do they expect to take away from this? This is a golden opportunity for everything to be geared specifically towards you. And it just sort of made me think about like when we're in school, we, we always list our expectations, but we just so infrequently ask what their expectations are. And so for the last three to four weeks, 
um, all of my classes had the same activity and, and we didn't have a schedule where I didn't see them at certain times. We, we, everything, we were given instruction that everything is supposed to be asynchronous. Uh, simply because of access, we just didn't know when people would be able to access uh, the internet or access the technology available to them, or, or if they'd be able to do it at certain times. So we didn't have any synchronous uh, meeting times. You could create them if you wanted. I had optional times where we would have just check-ins. And um, I mean, we had kids every Friday at 9 a.m. They wanted to check in with me. We'd have about 10 kids. We'd play some games and just see how we're, how we're doing. But for the last few weeks, I asked students about, well, what kind of music, like what, how does music bring joy to your life? Let's think about what it is that we're doing. And then for the other, another week, it was, I borrowed from uh, the BBC, Desert Island Discs. And I asked students, give me your eight albums. If you're going to go to an island, I, I probably should have been more clear that like your life is not in danger and you're going there willingly. I think kids thought that they were being like kicked off a boat <laughs> <laughs> they had to survive on this island. But um, so because I said, you can bring a book and one item. And kids like, well, I, I would bring a book on how to survive. And I was like, oh, that's not what I meant. But um, they, they, I asked, you know, what are your eight albums that you would bring along that you could like, you know, you have to, what, what, what's meaningful to you so that they're starting to think about what they enjoy. And I would ask them like, what are you going to do over the summer? you know, you, we're, you're, you're doing a lot of this stuff because you think we expect you to do it, but let's take this idea of what are your own expect, expectations for yourself and let's think about how you can make your summer musical, which we never do. We always just sort of walk off and say, I'll see you in August when we have band camp and things like that and make sure you're practicing. And, but we don't know what that's going to look like. So let's make sure that you are taking the time for yourselves but make sure that you're taking the time to do things that are musical. And, you know, I'm giving them ideas like you could create a practice schedule for yourself or you could listen to a different album every week. Or maybe you sit down and listen to an album with your family and get into a heated argument about things and who knows what. But you can there's any number of things that you can do, but be intentional about it and try to make try to try to realize that music is something that you should be doing all the time. And that, you know, as much as I want you to be able to play scales, I also want you to appreciate what it is you're listening to. And, and I want you to, to um, explore any number of ways that you can interact with music. So it, it's, I, I try to shift more from, I try to get away from what I wanted them to do to what do you want to do? that this is just, this is an opportunity that we, let's not spoil it. Now, I also, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would like to know from all the teachers out there, like what was your percentage of participation? <laughs> it, was, it was on the lower side. Uh, you know, I asked the kids, what about your other classes? What about like when you went to like AP bio and like, oh, like two people show up. It's not, <laughs> it's not just your class. So yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, I think kids, um, they kind of mailed it in a little bit, but well, a lot. They mailed it in a lot, but uh, I can't blame them. I really can't because they were told your grades are set by this date and all of this stuff. So they're like, okay, we're done. So, but the kids that were participating, I really enjoyed getting to know them personally and not just as a student. I got to know, I, I mean, I, the, some kids put together fantastic presentations over like this is the the music I love to listen to and we should play this next year and let's work on I mean they they were just like bursting with ideas which I would have never known because I 
probably wouldn't have asked otherwise. Or if I would have asked, it would have been in public. And some of these kids are really shy about that. And they don't want people to hear what they have to say because they're so afraid of ridicule and they're afraid that people are not going to think their ideas are valuable. But I, but this could be a way for us too to give kids a safe place to like express themselves. Some kids may really relish an opportunity that we can provide because who knows what fall is going to look like. I, you know, I have no idea. Yeah, nobody knows. Um, Vanessa, as you're listening to Scott, were there many students that have surprised you with some different types of pr- projects or new inspirations? Oh, always. I mean, we think we know, but we don't really know what another person, it, how to look through their eyes. Uh, I was just, the, the ratio of turn-in percentage was huge. And I think, because so much of this, there, there's only so much that teachers can do. And we're relying on a level of administrative support in order to do our job. And I think that if everybody knew that we were having similar issues, I think you'd have seen a lot less teacher stress about what we were getting. Because I, I know we were told to try to get all the work that we were trying to grade and to not give zeros. And some of that doesn't go with it. And But one of the beautiful things here is you start to see the kids who are really involved with music already intrinsically because they did the assignments even when they didn't necessarily have to. Now, you both touched on preparations for the upcoming school year, but let's get a little deeper into that. How are you planning, not knowing what teaching options are going to be available to you in September? Uh, I know right now I'm I'm working a lot with... PMEA, Pennsylvania Music Educators. Um, I, I'm, but on July 1st, my my term as the state president-elect kicks in. So I'll be involved at the state level for the next six years. Uh, so they're they're dragging me into this now. Um, but we're we're doing a lot of focus groups because we're taking. We just got our. I, I, I'm not. Sure, I know that UIL pr- um, produced some documentation down in Texas for. Uh, bands and things like that, but um, the 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 governor the governor's office has released preliminary guidelines for reopening schools, and they're quite vague and they're not very helpful yet. Um, but we've also been trying to digest a lot of other documents out there and the research that was presented by uh, ACDA and Nats, the the coalition that they were doing a couple like I think maybe about a month ago. Um, I think the Barbershop Society was in on that too, talking about how singing is is, is going to be affected, and uh, looking at American Bandmasters documents and the um, NFHS documents, CBDNA. I mean, there's so many resources; it's kind of overwhelming. And so, as a task meeting, I guess you could a task group. Um, we're we're talking to focus groups across the state. Uh, I'm working with classroom music teachers, mainly elementary. Um, and we have people who are working with bands and orchestras and choirs and, and we're asking people, what were your experiences? And we're asking people, what are some of your continued concerns? Let's look over the guidelines. How do you envision this we're, we're basically playing a lot of ice. The way I equate it is we're playing a lot of game theory right now. We're just, we're just guessing, well, if 
we think this is going to happen, but then this might happen. So then we can do this. And, and it feels like a shell game right now. We're just there. The cups are being moved and nothing's being revealed yet. So, um, and I don't begrudge anyone for that because I completely understand it um, because we don't um, completely understand this virus yet. So um, there's, there's a concerted effort to at least alleviate some of the stress I think teachers are feeling by offering, if not guidance, ideas, uh, just so that you can have some, we're trying to, I guess, equip people with enough tools that no matter what the result is, you can use this. And even if it's school opening as normal, that maybe there are some strategies and techniques that we've learned along the way that we can incorporate into our, our teaching, we can add to that and maybe we can improve what we were always doing. So that's, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. And I, I've been in, I have a biweekly meeting with some band directors around here talking about how we're going to do things. And then there's another group that I'm part of, like, they're all these sort of like unofficial, let's meet and talk. And it, it's, I think people just need to keep talking. I think people need to keep communicating with each other crystallizing their ideas and more importantly what we're what I what I encourage everyone whenever I'm meeting with them is you need to talk to your students because if you want them to keep doing like the experience of of particularly instrumental classes and um, it's not going to be the same so what what do you what do you need to know from them that like this is like what what aspects of the experience for them are like non-negotiable and how, what can you do to make sure that their experience is preserved as much as possible? Um, knowing that it's not the same, but, but what, can we, what can we preserve or at least try to preserve? Can't make promises, but you can at least say, you know, what do you love about being in this class? Okay, let's start there and let's work from that and get the student perspective because we need their buy-in more than anything. We need them to buy in because like we just saw in the last, three months that when you don't have buy-in, it's really depressing. It's just, it's, it's really sad. Uh, I know that Texas, you know, Texas is quite the behemoth of a music educator association. And we've been getting surveys about training that we'd like to see and what some of our experiences have been. Uh, I think what I'm not really seeing anyone address that I really want to see people address is teacher wellness because I'm functioning from the theory that if the teachers are in a good place, we will take care of the students. If you skip over that layer and you go straight to student wellness without considering your teachers, it's, I don't think it's gonna have the same desired effect. I um, was really excited. We get all this wonderful technology that's offered to us. We hadn't really had time to figure it out. We got the little 15 minute flyby training at the beginning of the year and then boom, here we go. And it was nice to actually have the time to sit down and tinker with that without whatever was the latest crisis of the day popping up and stealing from your planning time. Um, one of the things that I was putting into place as the, the virus wore on is I was putting things into my Canvas or I had a private YouTube channel that I would link to to save space in the Canvas platform. But um, my warm up that I created for my children so that they could play along with it. 
because a lot of kids don't have that. Since I teach the middle school, so some of them are beginners and they're not very independent, but to have those resources so that they can play along with. Or uh, as we talked about solos that not everybody got to finish, but I picked out a solo for me on my primary instrument and I recorded my first pass, you know, the first time you stumble through it just to prove that even though I know what I'm doing, the first time is not pretty, that's normal. And then, uh, you know, I, I actually went through and I created videos on how to practice and we all had a piece that I made sure they all had so that they could try these tactics in practice. I remember being frustrated when I got to college and I was given all these lovely practice tactics and I'm like, where were these in high school? All I ever got was play slow. There's so many more of them out there. And so I wanted to make sure that my students have access to that. And I've now created these videos where they can see them. And if we can do it in class, great. They can take it home because we're a one-to-one -one district. All of our students have Chromebooks. Our district also was amazing and sent hotspots out. But if the internet doesn't work in your corner of the county, doesn't matter how many hotspots you have. Uh, but to create resources so that the kids can have a little more independence on their end uh, and as opposed to only what I give them live in class. They can't take me home in their pocket. Yeah, I did some of that recording of myself too, just to throw that out there. <laughs> I, I, I made a, a practice log for students. I gave them that as an option that they could do. Um, and I, I just, I realized like that, you know, we, we, I don't, <clears throat> I was trying to think of a way that I could encourage them to practice that's different than when we were in school. So I made up a log that um, encourages them to think about what they want to get better at. And so I gave them like a menu of options. These are things that you can practice. And then what will you use? And so I actually kept my own log so they could, they could follow along with me as I did my own practicing, uh, you know, recorded a few, th I was like, you know what, I'm going to pull out that solo that I did in college. And, you know, I did my first pass at it. It's like, okay guys, this is the first time in 20 years I'm playing this one. And <laughs> so, yeah, I, I tried to, I tried to, you know, do what you were doing there and like, yeah, let's, this, we all do this. This is, this is real life stuff. One of the first things that I did, cause in, in my, in my big plans and dreams, which I'm going to implement this next year. So whether we're in person or whether we're stuck online again, that this will roll. I think some of the reason a lot of these wonderful ideas sputtered and fell was because we'd never experienced them before. And, and, and music teachers and, and band directors especially have a real gift in terms of picking up problems on the fly and solving them oh, I've never heard that problem from the trombone section ever before. Things like that. We're very good at grabbing that and fixing it on the fly and rolling forward. And uh, it doesn't come up quite as often in, say, history class. <laughs> um, so I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it derailed at the station. <laughs> um, but the, I think that uh, just the opportunity to do these things you know, the, the, we have the Flipgrid. My my school does Flipgrid. So for the kids who are very nervous about being in public, Flipgrid's because even trying to perform in public is a thing. And maybe they're comfortable with the, I call it the witness protection program background where the lights are behind them instead of in front of them. And um, just it'll help make it more sequential so that they can step into that independence on their own. Flipgrid's a great thing. It's, that was, that, 
that became very helpful. And I'm I, gonna, I I'm gonna use a lot, a lot more of that. <laughs> I am too. I, I had a lot of students where, please, this is this week is moderated, right? Like you're not gonna share my video with <laughs> yes, it's moderated. I'm the only one that sees it. It's fine. That's okay. But there were some weeks I'm like, nope, not moderated. So if you want to do it, you gotta be willing to let other people watch it too. That's, well, and it. one of my first lessons was how to make a critique. Yeah. So my son's a French horn player. He's a very solid little French horn player. He's uh, in high school. But I handed him a cello, and I gave him 10 minutes worth of instruction, taught him just enough twinkle, twinkle, little star to be recognizable. And I had him play that in front so students could look at that video and make some critiques because, hey, here's somebody who knows literally nothing. And, and then I also had other videos that they could see, including some very professional ones. And the solo that I ended up doing um, was uh, my primary instrument's piano. So it was a piano solo when I did it. And uh, there was a violin solo. So if, if they followed through the whole thing, then they saw the whole circle come together, which it's kind of proud of how that lesson was designed. It just really didn't get seen by very many people. I'm just so impressed and thankful for both of your sensitivity towards your students. It's not just their music education. You have just a familial approach to your students, and that's just so necessary right now for everything that they're going through. I think music teachers do that all the time. I mean, if you're teaching a kid for three to seven years, you know, depending on, on the, the area, um, then you're going to get attached to the kids. They're going many times the kids see you as another parent figure. I'm sure Scott has been called dad more than once by accident. I've been called mom. Uh, I, my official title at one place was band mommy. And because, um, you know, I would tell him, you know, you're, you're, you're just like my own kids. When I fuss at you, it doesn't mean I don't love you anymore. It just means we've got to fix this now. Um, but, and, and to have that relationship established, I'm a little worried about how to establish that kind of a relationship if we have to start online for students who don't already know us. Um, I'm really hoping that we get some kind of in-person teaching at the beginning, but band directors can stop and pivot and go off and fix whatever's necessary very quickly. It's a thing. Thanks for tuning into the Dennis Wick This Is You podcast. All these discussions are lovingly created to support our listeners on every road and intersection of their musical lives. You can get our full library of This Is You podcasts by downloading the Dennis Wick app from the App Store or Google Play. If you have any subjects you would like us to cover or questions for us, feel free to contact us through the Dennis Wick app. Have a great week, and we look forward to meeting again with you soon.